Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 Hawaii. It's Friday. That can only mean one thing. It's Legends of Sports Friday with Andy Bernstein. Hey Andy, how are you? I'm great, Arash. Great. Always love being with you, man. You as well. Again, we had the finish of the NBA season this week on Monday coming to a close. And as I'm watching the celebration play out, I'm just thinking back to your amazing pictures over the years. That's got to be as crazy and as frantic and as unorganized as it is. That's got to be some of the most fun because you're really getting these players with their families and their children and their teammates and they're popping champagne and you're in the thick of it. Is that some of the most fun? Again, you've taken some great pictures during games, obviously, but man, once, once, once they win that championship, that's got to be a blast. Yeah. I mean, it is fun at the end of the day, you know, when you finally get to reflect on it, um, it's, it's, tremendously pressurized situation. You know, if we look at the game, um, game five with Denver won, you know, and, and won their championship. I mean, that game literally could have gone either way, yeah. even into the, the last minute. But, you know, I'll just speak for myself. I mean, I have to be completely prepared for as soon as that buzzer goes off, yeah. I am, you know, on the court and, all hell's breaking loose. I can't be searching around for, oh, have my flashes ready? Or, you know, do I have the right lens on the, you know, I have a separate, two separate cameras that are just for post game. And back in the day, I used to actually stash another camera lens flash combo in what, you know, would look like certain team was going to win. I would stash it somewhere in the training room so that when, you know, camera A got trashed and full of champagne didn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, I could go to the backup. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, when, you know, it's crazy, man. I, I train myself. I just beeline it to the star player, yeah. you know, whether it's Kobe, Jordan, Dirk, Hakeem, LeBron, you know, would have been Jokic if I was there. Um, and just, you know, bang away. I use a, a super wide angle lens. I have a technique that, you know, that I just do. And you just don't stop shooting. You just shoot, 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 shoot. I mean, the great thing now is that on digital, you don't have to worry about running out of film and and keeping the film dry and all that kind of thing. Um, And then the locker room situation, uh, I've historically been the first one in. So, um, you know, before the team gets in the locker room. Yeah. So our protocol now, um, if I was doing the finals, 
if I had done the finals this year, was as soon as the team you know, gets the trophy and they set up for the impromptu team photo on the court, that's my cue to head to the locker room. I see. So that, um, you know, I'm a few minutes ahead. And I got to tell you a really funny story. So in 2021, when the Bucks won, right, that was my that was my job. My job was to shoot the pandemonium on the court, trophy presentation, setting up a team photo. Andy goes to the locker room. So I'm in the Bucks locker room, right? Champagne is all in the coolers. The, you know, there's plastic all over the lockers on the floor and everything. And I'm, I'm in there and I'm watching it on the monitor. The whole thing is unfolding. And all of a sudden, Giannis comes in, right? He's got the goggles on. He's got champagne in his hand. And he's ready to party. I don't understand how this happened, honestly, to this day. And nobody is in the locker room. It's literally just me. And the poor guy comes in and he, and he, he almost looks at me like, where's everybody? Oh, my God. And I'm like, congrats, big guy. You know? I didn't know what to do, and it was it was a couple of minutes before you know trainers and other people started coming. <laughs> it was just a very weird, uncomfortable, but but I don't know memorable moment. I guess in my history, <laughs> <laughs> just you and Giannis waiting for the celebration to start. And it's funny because I I really don't don't I didn't at that point have really a relationship with him. Like if it had been Kobe or if it had been even LeBron or somebody, it didn't um, you know I could have had a moment or something, but you know, I don't know this guy. It was just weird. It was funny. Um, I think I, I just told you that I was driving Friday last week and uh, loved listening to the first part of the conversation so much so that I was really looking forward to uh, this week. Uh, Robert Scoop Jackson, my former colleague at two places, actually at uh, ESPN and at slam. We're going to play the second part of that conversation right now. And when we come back, kind of want to talk some more about Scoop, about the finals. But now let's get to part two of your amazing conversation with Scoop Jackson. So, Scoop, you know, our, our professions, um, yours and mine, have changed so drastically, you know, since we started, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, my profession went from analog, film, you know, um, to digital and uh, you know the, the change was was monumental. was it difficult for you can oh, i ask you that oh my god yeah i i okay. i'm the last guy that went kicking and screaming into the digital era everybody still makes fun of me and i i'm fine with it because i loved film i would give anything to shoot film again you know i miss that tactile that feeling of looking at film and touching yes. it and editing it and the whole you know i yes i can't Scoop, I've, I've shot a few good digital pictures, all right, since the uh, turn of the century. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. But, I think I can attest to that. But the problem, yes. the problem is I can't relate to ones and zeros, man. I got to be able to look at that picture that like know that I created that. I, can, I, yes. I can't look at ones and zeros. I don't know what that is. So right. anyway. There's a certain feel missing, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. I okay. mean, behind me, you know, filing cabinets just jammed with film. Sometimes it's like visiting my kids. You know, I just go in there and look at them. I remember when I shot that, you know, where I was, you know, what camera I had, you know, all that right. kind of stuff. And then, you know, your your profession, you know, pretty much when you started, right? Pre-social media, pre-internet, yes. pretty much everything. You know, yes. you went basically newspapers, mainstream magazines, you know, Slam really kind of broke that mold, but it was still, you know, a printed publication. So now, of course, we're in 24-7, you know, millions of 
platforms, sports, news, yeah. everything else. Plus, on top of that, all the athletes have their own platforms, their own brand, their own, they're, they're pumping stuff out, you know, every minute. So from your perspective as a writer, as a journalist, like how has that changed, you know, access to the players? I know there's so many more layers to reach guys now. Yeah. But the fact that they are controlling their own narrative for the most part, right? And what they want to say. So tell, tell me how that has impacted you. Well, it's, it's impacted me from um, a professional standpoint, the same way it's impacted everybody else because of the, of the shift. Mm -hmm. That the transformation in storytelling, especially the way they've, especially the way long form is not in demand the way it was. Mm -hmm. You've had to adapt from a craft standpoint of how you present your writing because digital has really had a great impact on taking or taking away mm. the long form style of storytelling that a lot of us, you know, built our, you know, our bones were built on that. Sure. So we've all had to make that shift from a professional standpoint. Me, Andy, to be honest with you, I think I've been very fortunate in not being impacted the same way that a lot of other journalists have been when it comes to athletes now having control of their own outlets. Mm -hmm. I think because I've always tried to be fair. Mm -hmm. That's the word Michael Jordan used when he described my approach. Mm -hmm. He talked about me being one of the fairest guys. Now, you can take that for whatever it is. I, you know, Michael says fair. I've had other people in the industry tell me I'm player friendly. Mm -hmm. I've had people in the industry tell me I would never work for their publication because I'm too player friendly. Mm. Mm. And that's fine. I yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because of whatever word you want to use, fair or player friendly, whatever it is, because of that, because... Oh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to gain a certain level of respect from players because of not just what I've done when I've covered them, but, but how I've approached covering the game. And it did this. They seem to understand that I there's a certain nurturing there mm -hmm. when it comes to the subject matters that I happen to deal with when it comes to writing mm -hmm. that I have not been shut out of access mm -hmm. to them or me being a part of their storytelling. Yeah. So while they may have their own lane to speak, I'm still fortunate enough to like, no, 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 wait, wait, I'm doing this myself. But scoop, if you want to do this, mm -hmm. please do. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and do it. So I've been given, I've been granted as a certain, you know, uh, backstage entry pass mm -hmm. to their lives mm -hmm. that, a lot of other media has been shut out to because there seems to be a different trust factor Yeah, that's, that's, that I built with them that a lot of other individuals in the media haven't built with them. Yeah. And part of the reason I believe they decided to start and start their own platforms mm -hmm. because of that distrust. Mm -hmm. And you know, as well as I do, part of the funny thing that happens in the media and, and the game kind of forces us to do this, Andy, and you're one of the, ones who have brilliantly been able to walk that fine line. Mm -hmm. A lot of us can't do that. Mm -hmm. Is sometimes you have to choose between subject matter and access. Mm -hmm. So most times when it comes to media, 
they always choose access mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over subject matter. You are asked and assigned to cover either the game or the people that play the game. Mm -hmm. But your access into that is ownership and management. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. So yeah. when it comes time to make a choice, usually eight times out of 10, media is sports always, always sides with access. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you yeah. will see, you know, stories, images, whatever form of story you want to say that can often put the subject matter in either an unfair or bad or inconsiderate as in not taking everything in consideration light mm -hmm. and that's where athletes start to turn because they're like yo why you know i don't want you to kiss my behind but i would like you to at least take everything in consideration when you're writing this story mm -hmm. about me that could be damaging yeah or take some time and not be so quick to jump on the negative side of telling the story about me mm -hmm. Whereas if you're going to tell a story about ownership and management, it's never going to be as quick. Mm -hmm. All things will be taken into consideration because the media knows that players can go here, there, everywhere. But especially if you're a beat writer mm -hmm. or a beat photographer, mm -hmm. you cannot lose that access. Yeah. Yeah. So they're always going to side with that. Yeah. No, that's you a good have point. walked that lane beautifully because you've mm -hmm. never lost access, but you still have respect on both sides. That's a very difficult thing to do. I haven't even been able to do that. Because I have, like I said, I've been blessed enough to get the player side mm -hmm. and them understanding I'm being fair with them. But access for me has not ever been the same mm. because they yeah. feel that I'm player friendly. I haven't learned to walk that from a media standpoint. And I'm fine with that. That's fine. I don't know if you can walk that, man, because you, you have you have a job to do. You got to you got to tell the story. You know, Brad Turner and I have talked about this a lot. You know, he's been covering the Lakers for, you know, forever. Um, Jack McCallum, um, yeah. I had Lee Montville on the podcast. You know, he talked about that as well, that, yeah, yeah you know, you you earn that trust to get that access, right? You earn it. I mean, mm -hmm. you left out that word earn. You, you, you said I got, but you earned it, right? Uh, well, but, I, okay, I'll take that. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. But where, where it's different with me, Scoop, is that they know, you know, management, coaches, players, trainers, they know that I'm working for the team. I'm working for the league. I'm not in there to get a gotcha moment. And if I did, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. Right. And true, I'm not in true. there to make them look bad or in a compromising situation or any of that stuff. So that's kind of a given. My job was to not screw it up, right? Which started back with Riley and Magic and, you know, Jerry West, that era, Showtime. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. extended through with Phil Jackson and Kobe and Shaq and, you know, now, yeah. you know, into the new era. But, you know, I, I, I respect what you guys do as journalists because you, you have to tell the story. You know, somebody has a bad game or you know, whatever, you got to tell that story. But, you know, as, uh, I think it was Dave McMenamin told me that um, – that Kobe, you know, like kind of shut him out for a little bit, you know, when he yeah, wrote yeah, something yeah. bad. But then he realized, you know what, guy's doing his job, you know, and I respect that. And got yeah. got to tell both and, sides. And my thing is that you can you can still tell both sides, but I'm not saying Dave didn't do it. Anybody doesn't do that. I mm -hmm. think there's just a way to at least take everything in consideration. Yeah. While telling the story mm -hmm. to the point that you know, yes, you do have a job to do, but how do you do that job mm -hmm. 
and try to be quote unquote as fair as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it, you know, like I said, you to me have always gotten universal respect on both sides, which I, th I think is extremely difficult to do. Mm. I, I've always tried to keep in mind from a writing standpoint as a journalist, how would I treat this if this was me that I was writing about? Mm, 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 mm. What level of consideration would I like to be taken into that? And to me, that's not necessarily telling both sides of the story or having the bad side of the story told, of the story told in case a player had a bad game. Mm -hmm. It's looking at the fact like, okay, what does this having a bad game represent in the bigger scheme of things? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's take last night. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry probably had one of the worst games I've seen him have in a long time. Mm -hmm. As a journalist, yes, you do have to tell the story, but at what point do you not use that as an opportunity to dog Steph Curry for one game? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you have to tell the story. He had a bad game. Devin Booker was out. There's no reason for the Golden State Warriors to lose that game. Mm -hmm. And they lost that game because Steph had a bad game. Yeah. Now, my thing is that, yes, that is the story, but that's not taking everything in consideration. Mm -hmm. My thing is, that, hey, they lost the game. Steph had a bad game. But keep in mind everything they this guy has done. Yes. So <laughs> the body of I'm work not saying speaks had the story. I'm saying when you're writing that, Take and include everything in consideration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's not put the burden on Steph to carry this team. He can afford to have a bad game. Mm -hmm. Now, in writing that story, you don't have to harp on the fact that he had a bad game as opposed to taking the angle like, Steph, you had a bad game. We're going to give you a pass on that. We're not going to harp on that. But what we will harp on is that you can't have two games like this in a row against the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you took that approach. Yeah. That's where it's like to me, most journalists don't do that. Mm, yeah. They go in a rush to tell the bad side. Yeah. And not like challenge yourself. Like, how can I balance this out? Because Steph doesn't deserve to for me to just dog him in this one moment because he had a bad game. Yeah. He earned, in your word, yeah. he earned the right for us to be as fair with him as possible. Yeah. Not every player can do that, but he earned the right to do that. Yeah. And you were there. The way the media dog Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. For like holding the Lakers hostage because of his contract situation was appalling to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that gets to my point in that, yeah. yes, you do have a job to do. Mm -hmm. But if anybody earned the right, and it's not like Kobe went out and injured himself and missed the back end of two years. He didn't want to do that. Yeah. But you're writing stories dogging him. Mm. Yeah, that's not taking everything in consideration. And a lot of times the media doesn't do that. So when you don't do that and you're Kobe Bryant and you're looking at this, mm -hmm. you're like, wow, for real? Yeah. Y'all are going to treat me. Y'all going to treat me like this. Yeah. Okay, fine. So now Kobe's like, okay, now I have distrust of the media because you all are not fair with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could even throw my own and I'm not trying to throw my own company under the bus. But like when ESPN started, like, well, Kobe Bryant is the seventh ranked player. How the hell are you going to do that? <laughs> uh, not you're not taking everything in consideration. Yes. And when you write stories that, yeah, you know, the Lakers can't get the bill the team they want to because Kobe Bryant's contract is being held against them. Uh, that's not 
taking everything in consideration. I'm the one to me mm-hmm. that would not go down that road, even though, like you said, there's a story to be told mm-hmm. without taking everything into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I, uh, I want to get to the Mamba in a second, but I, I do want to talk about one important thing, Scoop. Um, I don't know if you were aware, but I, I spent 53 days in the NBA bubble. Yes, I'm very aware. In the summer, summer of 2020, and uh, feel bad for you. Was jealous at the same no, time. No, I don't so. know, man. Don't, <laughs> careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> but uh, so the the day I'm coming out of quarantine, you know, we had to quarantine seven days yes. when we get there. The day I'm coming out was the day that the players shut down the the bubble because of the Jacob Blake killing, right on the heels yes. of George Floyd, and of course Breonna Taylor. Your book came out, you're, you know, and I, I have to apologize because I have not read the book. I just ordered it, and we're going oh, cool. to have to talk again. All right, let's leave it there for now. And an, another amazing Legends of Sport Friday conversation with uh, Scoop Jackson, my former colleague, my former teammate. Just uh, a perfect time, again, to have these uh, conversations with uh, the NBA Finals wrapping up on Monday. So let's leave it there for now. When we come back, more Legends of Sport Friday right here on the Arash Markazi Show with Scoop Jackson when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It is Legends of Sport Friday. It is the one and only. It's Andy Bernstein. Um... So listen, the Scoop Jackson conversation last week was tremendous. I, I never heard the story about how Slam started and how it came to be and how it was about the culture, the community, and things like that. What did, Again, I love these podcasts because not only do we learn something, I'm sure you learned something as well. Tell me about that conversation with Scoop. I mean, you guys have known each other for quite some time, but what did you learn about him? Well, I, I didn't really know his... Um real origins with um with slam uh i knew he's with slam i didn't know he was like like the og of slam quite yeah. frankly you know and i remember meeting scoop during that bulls uh, second three peat neither of us remember exactly when that happened but it was somewhere you know on the trail of that in a media day or something and he just he just stood out he was a, he was a different kind of dude he still is um, just because he he has this re- this incredible rapport with the with the players, he's a very open guy. 
um, incredibly intelligent. Um, and I just found him very fascinating when I first met him. And he couldn't have been friendlier then. And, and he continues to be, you know, what, 30 plus years later. Yeah. And uh, just very impressed with what he and Dennis Page, the founder of SLAM, really set out to do. Their mission was to, you know, was to discuss hoops, culture, fashion. And look, it, he was in the right place at the right time. Alan Iverson came along and yeah. he established that great relationship with AI and, you know, the rest is history. Again, we just placed just a snippet. Again, this was a two-parter, but even then there's so much that we that we don't uh, play for you here. How can they not only hear the whole conversation, but keep up with all the great work that you continue to do? Yeah, thanks, Harash. Yeah, as always, you guys, everyone, anyone can find us um, on your favorite podcast platform. Our home base is iHeart, but Apple, Spotify, or wherever. Um, so it's called Legends of Sport. <clears throat> our entire archive is on our website, legendsofsport.net. So you can you know, scroll down and find uh, an episode that interests you. We're just finishing up season six. So about 200 episodes there to pick from. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. This particular interview with Scoop was not done on video. <clears throat> However, um, many and many of our interviews are on video as well. So our YouTube channel is um, Legends of Sport as well as TikTok. And my photography can be found on Instagram primarily at ABB Photo Inc., and I also encourage everyone to follow me as well, but also at Legends of Sport on Instagram because we're posting a lot of timely stuff as well as legendary images. One more question about the NBA Finals, which wrapped up on Monday, Andy. When did the portraits start? Again, you do such an amazing job of capturing them celebrating on the court and in the locker room. But over the past uh, maybe 20, 25 years, I mean, you, you, you get these portraits as well. Do you remember when that began? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, no, <laughs> I really don't. We didn't. Oh man, I don't want to say we didn't do it in the Bulls era. I got to think that it was. Um, it had to be the early two thousands. I mean, you know, it, because it, the first one that that I remember was Kobe Shaq, and again, that sort it, of like hometown team you're familiar with there. Yeah, it, it's really been every year since then. And what happens is, you know, and you can maybe tell a story like. You just get these great moments. So last night, it's Jokic and his daughter, I believe, and his <laughs> wife. And it's just a great moment where they're taking these this picture and yeah. she's looking at the trophy, seeing her reflection. It's so cool. No, it is cool. And I, I think you might be right. I, I Don't hold me to this, but I'll have to do a little research on my side. But I do remember, you know, Kobe and Shaq in 2000, and we were set up in the Kings locker room. You know, of course, they won it in Staples Center. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you set up at 10 o'clock in the morning for, you know, yeah. <laughs> a 7 o'clock game. Um, and it sits in there, uh, you know, and you have to be out of sight because you don't want the uh, either team really yeah. to see the up. Um, we've been in some arenas where they've had to carve out space for us in operations rooms or um, parts of loading docks that we've had to pipe and drape and things like that. And then it gets kind of crazy if it's a game seven. You got to pick, literally have to pick a backdrop that is neutral, you know, <laughs> if you have a color of either team and yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing. So I used to love doing those. Um, 
it's it, it's it's a little challenging to say the least. I remember when we did when Shaq was with uh, Miami in '06 and they won that championship, and they literally had us underneath the stands, and Shaq could barely stand up. You know? <laughs> and the only thing we could use was a black backdrop because you know we sort of had to drape it haphazardly. It was a crazy scene, <laughs> and uh, champagnes flying all over the place. It was wild. But uh, those are the kind of moments that we all live for as photographers. Exactly. Uh, again, you've, you've shot so many amazing moments. Scoop Jackson's been there for a lot of those as well, being able to cro- chronicle those as well. So now let's get to the second part of your conversation with Scoop Jackson. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Rosh, you're the man. You're Thank the best. you. I'll talk to you soon. So, Rosh, one, yes. one, one quick thing, dude. Yeah. Um, next week, Next week, we have Danny Clinch on okay. Tuesday. Okay. And then the following week is Pow. Oh, right? nice. Okay. But, I, but I'm leaving town on next Tuesday. So okay. do you want to do two or how do you want to? Can, can, yeah. we, do, can, we, yeah. do both? can yeah. we do both on Monday? Is Monday Monday, I, I think so. Uh, yeah. Just text me Sunday. I'm, I'm 99% sure it's fine. Uh, okay. Just if you could text me Sunday. But yeah, we can knock those two out and... Yeah. yeah, that would be great because then, then we're done for the season. So. Okay. Okay. Perfect. All I right, will yeah. talk to you on Monday. All right, but have a good one. Have fun tonight. That should Thanks. be Thanks. Hopefully that happens. <laughs> that would yeah. be great. <laughs> right, man. Later. See you. Bye. Bye. Well, you talked about an awakening, and I have to tell you how this affected me. You know, okay. I've, I've worked in, in an industry mostly around African-American people. I grew up in Brooklyn, very integrated yep. neighborhood, high school, the whole thing. I needed to educate myself as to what does black lives matter mean? You know, it's a slogan, but it's so much deeper. Obviously I needed to figure that out because I needed to be able to talk about it on my podcast. I needed to be able to, to talk to my kids about it, understand it. And I, and quite frankly, Scoop, I gotta tell you, I was embarrassed that I didn't, I didn't know it. Right. 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 So I sought out Mark Spears, my, my dear friend, was right. in the bubble with me. Um, right. I saw Tom Thomas on MSNBC. I, I DM'd him, <laughs> and I okay. had, had an Good. hour and a half Good. conversation with him. I got his book. I, you know, he sent me a couple other books to read, and you know, it was such an awakening for me because the the pain that was all around me. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I was basically kind of I don't know. I first of all I was immune to it, but I was also unaware really of the depths of this of of the systemic racism in our country how policing has been was built originally you know why police the police tactics are the way they are you know yeah who the hell knew that i didn't know that growing right. up nobody taught me but, that you know yeah, but, here's the, but but it's been and that's also interesting because it's been around yeah it's just let me ask you a question what was it the bubble that finally made you hear this because it's been around no it, it is the, it was the bubble it was the video evidence but i got to tell you when when i talked to Tan, and he told me about having have having to have the talk with his teenage son yeah. about what to do when a policeman stops you yeah that just hit me right here man because I, you know i have teenage son i have you know girls too but i never yeah. had to have i never even thought i had to have that talk with my son Right. I had to have other talks with my son, but not about that, how to behave in front of a white police officer. You know, if you rolled through a stop sign and might shoot you in the head. I mean, I never thought that in a million years. So all of that. And then plus the fact that I I wanted to understand 
the struggle. You know, when when the guys are talking about it, the guys that I work around all the time, you know, and they're speaking about it, Chris Paul, LeBron, yeah. you know, all the guys, Kyrie, all these guys yeah. that I that I respect, um, yeah. I want to understand it, and uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be on the outskirts, even though I'm I'm on the inside, and I wanted to talk about it here on this right. podcast. This is important, right? So I'm so yeah. happy that you and I are talking about it. You know, it's it's so, just and that's what it's here for. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but 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 the space that you have is here for that, and mm-hmm. the moment that you experience is for that reason also. Yeah, it's yeah. it's I believe once again. You know, I, I, I call it an awakening, mm-hmm. but it's not an awakening for us. Mm-hmm. It's awakening for a lot of white America yeah. to not listen, because I think white America has always listened to us. Mm-hmm. But I don't think white America has hardly ever heard us. I totally hear you. hundred percent. I, I hear you. I this get is it. the moment that it's like, OK, mm-hmm. because of the video evidence, because the way everything was compounded, because we were trapped trapped from the outside world because of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. That white America, for the first time in my existence, had had its own freedom taken away from. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's a So now we're forced to hear what yeah. is happening because we don't have outside sources distracting us from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. because of the compound, because of video, because, because everything kind of, it was, it was it, you know, it was a perfect storm just hitting yeah. for an awakening like this to actually happen. Mm. And it, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were open enough to say, let me go deeper into this so I can have a better understanding. Mm-hmm. And it, so you and I can, or you and everybody, because mm-hmm. this shouldn't, so you and I can have this conversation, but also you can have conversations with individuals unlike me, unlike Etan, unlike mm-hmm. Mark Spears, unlike Kyrie. Yeah. Because having a conversation is one thing, but activating change is another thing. Mm-hmm. And in order for change to really happen, that has to come from you having conversations with other white counterparts. Mm-hmm. Because you all, for the most part, are in much better position to make those changes happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Than, than we are. Yeah. You know, and, and not that you have to go directly to the police. Mm-hmm. the white police officer to have that conversation, but they're more apt to listen to you all <laughs> <I> <laughs> than you. they are to me. Yeah. I hear you, you know, because of the conditioning, because of the training, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and I want to say one more thing to your point. Um, yeah. The black lives matter. Mm-hmm. And as far as the importance of that and that slogan, I, I think it's beautiful because of what is done. But the one thing I think we have to do at this point in time, is take that saying, take that three-word existence and move it beyond that to black life, not lives, Mm. black life matters. Mm -hmm. Because we're at a point where, okay, this is understood, but there has to be connectivity to everything we're speaking about beyond just our involvement and our relationship with the police Mm -hmm. in this country. Yeah. So black life matters, meaning black existence Mm -hmm. as far as art, education, income, just everything. Yeah. Just every walk of life where we are not treated as equal. Mm -hmm. So I I think we have to get to a point where black lives matter. That's true. 
but we have to go beyond that and, and, and understand that it's black life that we also are fighting for in all facets of life. Mm-hmm. Like we want to be seen and heard in all facets of this, not just with our relationship with the police. Yeah. That's so well said. Scooping this so, so much more to talk about maybe at another time, maybe, a, oh, yeah. maybe a bigger forum, you know, we could figure out something down the road. But the last thing I want to hit on my friend is, is, is a memory of our dear friend, the Mamba himself, Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, I recently watched your undefeated, your ESPN undefeated video on sneaker legacies. And uh, uh, that yeah. was, that was, first of all, that was so great. We're going to plug that and, and, and Thank make you, a I link to it. it. Because that's a lot of stuff I didn't, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I didn't realize that Kobe was that, um, I don't know, that uh, important in this, in the sneaker culture. I mean, yeah. you, you know, I, yeah. mean, I always think of MJ and, but I never really gave Kobe his due. You know, yeah. I, I was there that whole, you know, sort of transformation from Adidas and then he didn't, wasn't with anybody and then, you know, he ended up with Nike. Yeah. Um, so can, can you give me one story or one anecdote memory of you and Kobe that you could share with us? Oh, from a, from a shoe perspective? No, no, from anything, from anything. From I just mentioned in that because I watched it and, and I loved yeah. it. But um, no, it doesn't have to be about shoes. It could be just any any interaction oh, man, or whatever. There's so many. Um, but I, the, the, one of the ones, Kobe and I bonded. One of, one of the bonds we had was because of shoes. Mm-hmm. And before I started really getting involved with Nike, I was an Adidas guy. Mm. And he was an Adidas guy. And I would always try to come to L.A. or wherever I knew I was going to see him with Adidas that he didn't have. I always, you know, and I would, I would like call the, hey, 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 I'm about to do this with Cole, send me some stuff, because he would be so jealous. He's like, wait, I ain't got this. And now you don't have these yet. You don't have these. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love we, it. We, I was always trying to stunt on him when it came to that. So we always had that bond. And I, I got away with a lot of stuff, man. I got away with having a lot of things yeah. that he didn't have access to yet. That's so, uh, but that helped build our relationship. Yeah. Um, and I, the, the story I always like to tell about Kobe is, is, is the one that happened after he got the MVP at the all-star game. Um, and I was just fortunate enough to be at the right place at the right time after he came off the court um, in Philadelphia, after winning the all-star MVP and him, you know, the fans basically booing him and him holding that composure until he came from under the bleachers, you know, under the tunnel and this, that, and the other, and saw me, I, it wasn't that, probably about 50 yards away from the locker room. Mm-hmm. And he just saw me there and he just broke down. He just, you know, he had a moment because he, he basically asked me, why do, I'm trying to, do you hear that? Why don't they like me or why do they hate me so much? I forgot what he, the exact words he said. And I just like, you know, you know, and I'm a little guy. So, you know, I just put my arms around and he put his arms around me and I just started hitting him in his chest, like right where my head was like, you know, look, man, they don't understand you yet. Give it time. They'll get you. I said, there's one thing. If one thing I know about life, Cole, and being, you know, older than you is that history will get it. They just don't get it yet. Trust me, they will get it. And when they get it, they'll get you. You know, and I, and I told him it took him a long time to get Muhammad Ali. It took them a long time. It took them a long time to understand Muhammad Ali, but eventually they got it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that sunk in with him in that moment. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad I was there to be, you know, 
somewhat the voice of reason. And and I'm glad I was, you know, I don't know where I got the Ali thing. I probably pulled it out of my ass, but it was true, you know, but I think he needed to hear that so he could put his own career into some perspective. It was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. They did hate Ali, but eventually he never changed and they got it. Sometimes it just takes longer for people to understand who you are, what you are. It just it just takes time. You know, so that's one of my favorite moments with him. Uh, we've had some great ones. We, you know, we've had moments where, and Andy, you know this, come playoff time, especially late in his career, you know, like Dave McMenamin said that uh, he shut him down. Kobe shut everybody down. Mm-hmm. He didn't mess with anybody. But one of the greatest moments I've ever had with Kobe is him not speaking to any media, but him being locked in, but him seeing me and winking at me. Let you know, just that, hey, man, you know, we, we're still all good. I'm not messing with anybody here, but at least I'm going to look at you and give you that wink and, you know, let you know. We don't need to talk, but we're good. So it's always, you know, always moments. And, you know, so there are a few. He gave, look, he got my tickets. He got my kids tickets to the All-Star game one year. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was, that was, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Like, hey, are you, are you, are the kids going to the game? Yeah. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. He said, no. Here, I, I'll get, I'll get, you, I'll get the kids tickets. Y'all, y'all just go on me. I'm like, you know, that's that's just love. Oh, it's amazing. That's great. You know, you had, you had one. I'm gonna, leave, I'm gonna close this incredible conversation with with a quote that you had at the end of Sneaker Legacies, right? And you have to finish the quote because they bleeped it out. <laughs> you said about Kobe. You said, "quote Greatness is easy, but genius is a whole other what." It's some whole other shit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I figured it was. So greatness is easy, but genius is a whole other shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Genius, genius is a whole other shit, man. And, and, and he and was. Kobe, yeah. And Kobe's genius, you know. And I have to applaud you because you all's worked together. I know you've been there a long time. So I was so happy to see that you all collaborated mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and did the Mama Mentality book. But I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Andy. That book exceeded. I, I won't even put myself in there. A lot of people's expectations. Because we know how great you are. You know how great Kobe was. And we knew, just from you all working together, being in L.A. together for so long, there was a synergy between you all. Mm. But it came across in that book. All right, that's all the time we have for this week's edition of Legends of Sport Friday right here on the Arash Markazi Show. Great conversation with the legendary Robert Scoop Jackson, my former colleague at ESPN. Slab Magazine, just a uh, incredible career and an incredible guy. Uh, just a, a perfect time again to have him on. With the NBA Finals wrapping up on Monday, the Denver Nuggets defeating the Miami Heat in five games. So let's uh, close out this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back on uh, the air on Mondays. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.